0: Welcome to the Sundance Watch List on Intercut, the yearly show going through all of the movies, TV, and shorts that people won't be able to cut away from. docs, we had Dakota Johnson voicing a disappearance, we had tubas going missing, lost memories, how even a whole video store vanished.
1: We also found out about how coal is king in Appalachia, the chain of mental anguish for hospital chaplains, and why the king of England called cameras a fantastic machine.
0: As always, I'm your co-host, Arturo Zurita, and joining watch more movies than curry throws threes
1: it's zachary shevich what's going on it's so good to be here talking about documentaries you know a lot of people get excited about sundance because they get to see all these new features all these new narratives from great directors featuring great actors we have the oscars coming up soon and four of those nominated documentaries premiered here last year I feel like we have got some potential Oscar contenders Easy. for next year Easy. among the crop here. A lot of really good docs. Yeah. Everyone's coming
0: in to see these movies that are thrillers that right. are like at the edge of your seat. The ones that are real, <laughs> that, that were like just filmed in the past year, going through like the craziest stuff. Those are the movies that have probably been the most visceral experiences out of Sundance. You're mentioning before from last year, yeah. one of those that made me cry, House of mm-hmm. Splinters, got a nomination.
1: It's actually out in theaters around now, so hey, perfect! Another recommendation. So if
0: you don't want to wait a year for some of these documentaries, <laughs> uh, we have a whole list of these. That uh, w- many of these were available online, and that's probably one of the best yeah. parts about this year is that we were both able to catch some of the documentaries in person. Mm-hmm. Um, you had like a really good Q and A for years. Yeah. Um, uh, the matter. Uh, matter of it is is that it's easier to catch a lot of these at home especially Mm -hmm. when you're dealing with a a film festival where everyone wants to catch the narratives well this gives them a great outlet for to be seen we
1: uh, with our recaps as you can tell from doing you know several hours of these by now uh, we, we try to see as many films as we can and oftentimes you try to prioritize the narratives for that in theater yeah. experience but like when you do know that there's a great documentary and you do get to che- see it on the big screen like it can be that much more impactful. When and you like,
0: fell in love with their last work it, you're going to exactly, be Exactly <laughs> yeah so like I
1: knew that if we, there's a new Luke Lorenzen documentary I was going to be there in person. There, there's some f- films that had like subject matter or maybe even people attached to them that I knew got you to make the sure Dakota you Johnson saw them in the theater. Yeah. Exactly. Uh,
0: but we have a bunch of good great stuff uh, we're going to be separating it in to three different groups. I always like to talk about the documentaries that should be caught, you know, at least in streaming. I don't think there's any bad docs. Mm -hmm. So the lowest group is still worth catching when it's streaming. The next one I think is worth catching when you know it's out available to rent on VOD. And then of course we have our top documentaries. So many that I'm looking at an overflow of 10 here. The (laughs) top
1: 10 documentaries. Exactly, it's labeled top 10 in the the document, but it's a little more than 10.
0: That's just because they're so great. Uh, So let's just jump into it with the streaming documentaries I don't think I gave anything really below a three, mm-hmm. but Zach did actually see the first one that we have here. So I'm starting with the worst of the yeah. worst, but look, this not according kind of, to IndieWire, not according to IndieWire. This was in the top 10 docs. I have absolutely no idea how it's so bad. I don't even have a link for it, but here we go. <laughs> starting off the top 10, Zach, tell me about pretty baby Brooke Shields. Uh, it's pretty
1: baby. Brooke Shields, it's coming to Hulu not so long from now. The main reason I deprioritize it. Exactly, that. yeah. Sometimes you don't want to like waste your time at Sundance with something we know we're going to see in two months. Yeah. Uh, Brooke, but it's a pretty standard celebrity bio doc, right? Like, and Brooke Shields has lived an interesting life. My my uh, hangus, hang-ups with this documentary is not in, related to her story in any way. Mm-hmm. But it's just a very common glamorous kind of or or like you know telling of this that centers like her uh being like a brave person through it all you know because she's so involved in it she's a talking head throughout it and it's like interesting to see her career lined out this way if you have like even a passing familiarity with her i don't think there's going to be a whole lot like, to that's learn. revelatory for yeah. you. Because this was
0: another one that was 136 minutes. Yeah. I could fit in, like, three world docs there <laughs> besides
1: having to hear Brooke right. Shields' story. Well, it's actually, it's, gonna be out. it's actually a two-episode show, one of those types of documentaries. But oh, that's that they, they made it a movie for Sundance.
0: Uh, I'll allow it because there's another
1: one that did it <laughs> and I didn't like that one. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not. It's totally, like, watchable, especially if you are interested in Brooke Shields. But, like, okay. it it's basically jo- shows her career and then tries to basically be, like, this is, like... Mm-hmm. The, uh, this is like a powerful uh, story of feminism and how she yeah. da, 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 it's, it feels like it's maybe making like her career a little bit too grandiose mm. but I, I don't know it's an interesting film but not not as interesting as many of the other documentaries you got to see yeah as
0: well. Beginning of the list, Pretty Baby Brooke Shields. Like Zach said, this is gonna be on Hulu in a little bit. It's yeah. right around the corner. On top of that, this comes from the director, uh, Lena Wilson, who did Miss Americana. So if you liked that one from Sundance, right. another one where we felt the exact same
1: thing, where she was like, everything's it's, on my shoulders. It's a promo, promo for yeah. the celebrity at its center, uh-huh. which
0: whatever, but like. So uh, Lana Del Rey, if you need a director, I believe Lana <laughs> Wilson is available. Moving on to the next one. Oh, so excited for this one. Such an intriguing story. Kim's Video, yeah, a, a blockbuster-like store that was super independent in New York City. You said you never had the chance to go to it?
1: I Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's heyday was a little bit before I was like going to Ready video to, stores yeah. in New York City, uh-huh, you know? Breaking like... up the rental prices on that,
0: <laughs> but this is a movie that is almost like a heist film because it's this guy, the director, who feels like he's gonna go without any permission to take back all of these lost rentals and then also find the guy who was running the store I was so intrigued with it, and the movie's not great, but it gets you in there it, it, through a perspective where yeah. it's jumping into different movie scenes, and, and you're following this guy get into like, mafia ties mm-hmm. and all these different things.
1: Zach didn't like it as much, and then he pulls out a rope <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thought there are interesting elements to the film for sure, but I think the thing that sort of caught me off guard from the beginning is like, it's <laughs> ostensibly this documentary about Kim's video but they spend very little time talking about Kim's video, yeah. The Store. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it ends up being sort of this investigation to what happened to all the movies that were in Kim's video mm-hmm. after The Store closed. Uh, and that part of it, there's high, highs and lows to it. Like, there's a lot of it where he's just sort of running up to various Italian men and shouting That's at them. really and,
0: what he does. He just yeah. pulls up on people, which don't ever do that when you're filming a documentary. Um,
1: <laughs> but... Uh, The other aspect of it was, as you mentioned, that he, like, tries to secure a release for these videos through through this, like, kind of, you know, film-inspired sequence that actually feels pretty badass and pretty cool. It's intriguing. It, it made, the it was like a high point in the documentary, kind of exci- exciting moment. They're
0: wearing, like, director's masks and stuff for this, yeah, ice, yeah, yeah.
1: as they're cutting to the director's films and stuff. So, like, and he's all, he does this thing, which I mostly found annoying, where he's trying to, like, shoehorn in all these film references. It kind of culminates there. It sort of works. But... As a documentary about Kim's video, it does sort of feel weird and sparse. And then we see this thread from Jason Bailey really going into all the reasons that (laughs) somebody who was actually a Kim's video customer had frustrations with it also somebody who knows somebody trying to make, make a more it. legit version Sorry. of the gims video documentary yeah. and like he he admits that like he's got his personal biases towards it but mm-hmm. i think a lot of his criticisms really ring it's true not. with the documentary it's still like decently entertaining to watch it's kind of a weird weirdly formed documentary and that yeah. it feels more like a personal essay than like a uh, a look at the history That's of this point. iconic place but yeah, if you're looking specifically for a, a film about Kim's video or video stores, I don't think this is the documentary. Yeah.
0: Uh, this is definitely one to catch on streaming to kind of get you a little bit into what Kim's video is if you don't know about it, but I, I agree with Zach. I like that you said personal essay, because mm-hmm. there are some really good personal essays. There's some really good journalistic documentaries. Yeah. Some really good experimental documentaries, uh, and you know, one's going through an artist's life. This ain't even a personal essay. This is just a man vlogging sometimes, yeah. <laughs> getting himself into trouble. I've uh, been talking about uh, one that's sort of, not a biopic, what would the word be? A profile. Yeah. On profile 30. doc. Judy Bloom forever. Or a bio doc. Bio doc. There we go. This is a bio doc that's as standard as it could be. This is the year where Judy Bloom is coming out with a bunch of different movies. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Are you there? God, it's me. Margaret's finally getting released. I am so released. freaking excited yeah. for
0: that. Uh, I'm sure they'll do Super Fudge at some point. But <laughs> this really is the most basic recap of a doc like i'm yeah. just being honest it's not a bad doc some people will really like it because they really like judy bloom mm-hmm. i also really like judy bloom but it is a basic doc it just goes through the beats of like she wrote this book and here's a talking head and what it meant to them next yeah. and then it's like they would bring different things to defend her in terms of like you know you know judy's books there's not that much diversity. It's like nobody really, I think, is going for that. So they hire right. a guy to just say like, no one's really reading Judy for that. And I'm like, it feels like it's, like you were saying with the Brooke Shields thing, it's trying to fill in the pieces and answer any question as a really quick 93 minute profile on Judy Bloom. Uh, but it's not her forever doc. I think that there is way more in-depth stuff. And I think hopefully with her work being adapted, you'll actually get some, some good basis into what she was bringing as an author. It's not a bad documentary in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't know if you had the chance to watch this one,
1: but no, I saw a little bit. Uh, you were, just, wa- I was watching yeah. over your shoulder, and mm-hmm. like, you know, it seems very standard. And maybe like, I, I don't know, I so Judy Bloom, as opposed to Brooke Shields, is somebody that I maybe know a little bit less about her personal life. So maybe there's more that I would take away from it from that from that one than like the Brooke Shields one. You know what, However, my- like. It's also the kind of documentary where it's like, well, do you really need Samantha B's opinion on Judy Bloom? Do you no. really need to hear from Anna Conkle on no. how Judy Bloom changed your life? Like, it's kind of cool, but it's also not really it's getting not really into what it. I
0: needed to. You know those VH1 things where they bring a bunch of celebrities just to recap you about the 80s and yes. the 90s? This is the Judy Bloom version yes. of that. Uh, I'm not sure when this is coming out. Mm, I, it's Amazon Prime. So it'll be on the horizon, literally streaming for y'all, uh, probably in the first half of 2023. So we'll see. Coming to probably Netflix is the most Netflix by the numbers breaking down of what was the most intriguing story I felt in the world documentary, or the U.S. documentaries. Um, The cult at the end of Mm -hmm. the world. Had high hopes for this one. Dude, this was a story where this uh, cult was built up throughout the late 80s and the 90s using anime. Like half of y'all are if this was happening in the United States, uh, it gets into the nitty gritty of like what was going on in Japan and what allowed the cult to continue to grow in this very Scientology yeah. uh, space because they were really trying to get into the fabric of no, we are not just faith based. We are we are to a degree a science. We can make people feel better until they started promising people that they could float. <laughs> uh, they were able to dupe a lot of people, uh, and they duped us into thinking this is going to be one of the best stocks out there. It's not bad again, yeah. but it was really by the numbers you kind of first and you kind of warned me about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just ends up being this sort of it, it looks like a um assembly of a lot of previously reported on footage rather than something that really gets in there and is getting to the For bottom a of the story like this? Yeah, and it's oh, like good. I think sometimes when you have this true crime type of story, like you really want to feel like the the investigation is like happening or like yeah. that they're, they're actually uncovering material. This felt like the Wikipedia version of it all. Is and it... like sometimes a Wikipedia documentary can be helpful and sometimes Netflix is making money. a lot of money yeah, off yeah. of Hulu as well is very big in that game. This movie will do well once people get a chance <coughs> to see it, but it's not the reason that we come to Sundance to see documentaries. We're, we're looking for people who take something that's maybe maybe more innovative approach or, or a more daring approach mm-hmm. to material like this. Not a bad documentary. Not a bad Pretty standard,
0: though. Uh, also, a little fun fact over here. Uh, he's not pulling up there, but as a producer, they got Ben Schwartz on there. Oh, the Ben Schwartz. Sonic himself.
1: So we'll see. <laughs> what kind of connection <laughs> would does Ben Schwartz have to the I bro, uh, it could um, be a different cult. Ben Schwartz for all I know, but Ben Schwartz
0: was <laughs> in the credits. But um, cult at the end of the world coming, maybe, to an Netflix near you. All right. The next one up is Plan C. You may have heard of Plan A.
1: I've heard of Plan B.
0: Plan B. (laughs) This is Plan C. What happens when everything else, uh, all of the other options are gone? Director Tracy Tragos has made a previous movie that won Sundance uh, called Rich Hill. won the Sundance Grand Jury Award Mm. uh, and has also told a lot of other stories uh, dealing with abortion and abortion rights. This one was interesting because it's able to get at a really big array of perspectives when it comes to taking this specific pill, because it's not necessarily the procedure. It is a pill that they're able to sneak across state lines or yeah. getting people to come in and pick
1: plancpills.com Ex- or .org, I forget Yeah, what they it have like a whole
0: website there and yeah. they kind of show you the different perspectives of people who are coming in, not just to get that procedure done. There's also a perspective of the doc dealing with people who want to make sure that those who want to give birth do it in the most appropriate way possible. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know that every single festival is always going to have a reproductive rights documentary. This one's pretty, pretty solid.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that's also interesting about this is it really embeds you with the people running Plan C yes. and what their lives are like because for some of them it's kind of like ordinary activist work but for others who are operating in and around states where uh, uh abortion proceedings are illegal and pa- or pills like this are yeah. illegal like the, it becomes a lot more of a covert operation mm-hmm. and making sure that you do yeah, yeah. You, you do it a certain specific way and like seeing the the uh toll it takes to actually keep maintain this operation keep it up and help these people it is it's interesting a plus, bro yeah it's like the
0: craziest form of a plug bro. yeah uh last year had a movie called the Janes. it was a documentary that's on hBO uh, I think that one's even above this one. And there was even um, Call J, which yeah. was the narrative version starring... <laughs> Elizabeth Banks? Elizabeth Banks, yeah. thank you. Uh, I'm not sure if that's streaming yet, but I think those are also two They streams. might
1: both be on HBO Max. That could be No right. way. Or at least the Janes
0: is. The Janes is for sure. But yeah. uh, I would recommend those from last year as well. Yeah. If it's yeah. Really like this. interesting. Uh, moving on to the next one. This is a personal
1: documentary. Yeah.
0: Junam, uh, one of the earliest films that we got to see at the Fest. Uh, and it comes from Sierra Uric, who I think has done a couple of uh, art department jobs. Like she's worked in the industry a long right. time and now has been able to create something here where she's looking back at her mother mm-hmm. and her grandmother. Uh, and Junam specifically is a Farsi term of endearment. Right. And we were talking about this, bro. When they do the different font language for, for titles like this, there was a couple <laughs> of other ones that were in the Fest. It mops English. English looks so boring. I don't care what font you have.
1: I mean, Arabic writing is basically like calligraphy. Yes, it looks fantastic. It doesn't
0: matter uh, what the title was. Uh, This one has a very beautiful logo as well. And the story is very intimate because it's her going back, not only trying to learn a bit of her culture that because she's American, she didn't have, but it's really made up of something that I think for the most part is going to uh, make it or break it for people and how uh, connected they could be with it. Because it's really made up of the moments when they're setting up the camera mm-hmm. and her mom and her grandmother are making quips. It's yeah. those little moments where she's trying to get into a story, but the mom won't let her. Exactly. That's what makes a documentary.
1: Yeah. Um, the Just because this is a, a more famous filmmaker, uh, it reminded me of uh, Chantal Ackerman's last film, uh, the, the person who made John Delman, but her last film was no home movie and it's another film where she is doing kind of like home recordings of her mother okay and, and you know it's a it's a certain style right like similar to her style in John Delman, there's like a very patient way that they kind of will set the camera up and let things sort of unfold mm-hmm. som- sometimes like you start watching a shot and like the substance of that shot doesn't really occur until a minute or two later yes but like it, it does sort of feel like gives gives you the feeling of like being in the room with them easily and then navigating these conversations and like it, particularly this is also a film about her trying to get stories from her grandmother you know before she can't get these stories anymore and part of the experience is the difficulty in getting these stories so like she really does put you in her feet in yeah. a way and it might not be the most like rewarding, traditionally speaking documentary, but it's a really fascinating one. Uh,
0: so Junon, put that one on your radar, yeah. decent. Uh, the next one that we have is a world documentary pitched, pitching itself as a documentary therapy session. Yeah. Thing here. Uh, it is called The Longest Goodbye, and it began originally as them trying to get this mission to Mars and trying to like just observe what the mission was going to be. Then they met the psychiatrist, Who was working with these astronauts in order to make sure that they stay sane? Mm -hmm. And it really becomes this entire just, uh, you know, the whole first man um, training that comes to it. That's all this documentary is. Mm -hmm. It's seeing through all of these uh, tests that they're going through, would they be able to make the right decision before you spend all that money to send them up there? How isolated can they be? Will
1: they go crazy on the Mars mission?
0: interesting Uh, yeah a a lot of really great shots in this movie as well Mm
1: -hmm. in space no one can hear you on a buffering screen (laughs) um it's interesting because it's a different look at what space travel can do right like we're just often so focused on how hard it is to get up there how different space is but like yeah the psychological toll that it would take being socially isolated like that yeah um watching your your kids grow up through like Uh, jittery buffering stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so there's a lot of fascinating stuff there. I think maybe the film itself felt a little bit like piece by piece rather than like a longer story, if that makes any sense. It's like (laughs) he's checking off like, oh, they they tried this uh, exercise and they tried bringing in this person and somebody thought, what if they can put them to sleep? Yeah, You know, I I think I was hoping for maybe a little bit more of like a, a complete thought than like the scattershot approach, but it's all really interesting stuff, especially if you're interested in space travel.
0: Agreed, because it's an hour 27.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, for, pretty easy to watch documentary. It,
0: the longest goodbye is probably the shortest <laughs> one, uh, but it's still pretty decent. I'm curious to see uh, follow-ups to this, because I'm sure they're not the only one who are covering a Absolutely. lot of these uh, projects. The next one is, as Zach was saying, one of those series where it is multiple episodes. I mm-hmm. want to say this was Showtime? three? Yeah. We got it, three. It's coming out on Showtime. Uh, and I thought it was very, very, very well done. Mm-hmm. It is called Murder in Bitcoin that looks at a lot of the young indigenous women who just, just go missing. Yeah. And then when they do appear, it's like, no, we we checked that spot. <laughs> uh, it gets into a lot of the intricacies in terms of like, how do you build up an economy made up of Indigenous people? who have their own set of rules but then also kind of have to abide Mm -hmm. you know they're coexisting but they're really abiding by whatever these other state laws are uh, that are trying to take over and you know there's a lot of jurisdictions where there's uh, enough leeway for you to not be able to get authority to help you search for somebody uh and then the documentary does a great job of also looking inward and breaking down the cycles of what has happened to this point where you know someone's to blame but they've set it up in a way where it's letting them destroy themselves so that they have the cleanest hands. Uh, the director for this, Razel Benali, also worked a lot on Dark Winds, which is a really big show on AMC. So. Uh I would recommend this when it's on Showtime, and I think that's probably the best way to look at it, because they they took their time in making it a series without having to rush it into this 90-minute story. Mm-hmm. And
1: there's also a narrative, which we covered. Well, I was going to say, yeah, we have this thing at Sundance where sometimes you'll see one thing and there'll be a perfect companion piece for I it like in the that. fest. I like that. Keep yeah, doing that. That's so really cool. uh, the U.S. Dramatic section has that film Fancy Dance, which we yeah, talked I'll about in our previous recap. Bit. Yeah, and they, they cover a lot of the same things in that how when there is a crime or a disappearance of a... Of a uh, uh, indigenous person off the reservation, it becomes this uh, competing It's like an international jurisdiction. Hit. Yeah, where there's the reservation police, and then there's the federal police, and then there's the local police, and they all have to kind of figure out who's actually responsible. And a lot of times, they all just sort of shrug and don't there's, claim there's, responsibility. There's, and that's exactly and, and this, I, like, this obviously takes a more you know true crime kind of centric approach to yes. it. It be- it does feel at least stylistically like of a piece with stuff that is on Netflix, that is on Hulu that we've talked about, but I think the substance they're covering is a lot deeper and a lot more thoughtful and they get these really uh, revealing interviews, particularly with people who are really involved with yeah. some of these cases. And I think that's what maybe transcends it beyond the typical true crime doc yeah. is that there's a, uh, a, a, you see the emotional connection a lot more deeply, and and I think it also dives more deeply yeah. into the subject than maybe something that's a little more boilerplate. There's
0: that bit with the father too that yeah that, that's carried through. So I would say it's a little bit above a Netflix thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so not exactly more HBO. Than,
1: yes. Showtime. Showtime. Perfect. <laughs> exactly where it's going to be. Actually, Paramount Plus with Showtime. Oh my god.
0: No, there's no with anymore. <laughs> they're they're gonna become one. Uh, they've been dragging so long. They just announced it. Like I feel again. Yeah. That okay now it's official. Official. So Paramount Showtime, whichever one you have, it's going to be one, and you'll be able to catch Murder in Bighorn. Uh, this next one was one where I was just like, I don't, know. I don't know if this story is going to fully be able to embrace this love letter to the uh, community of people with disabilities. And going into it, I had my expectations low. It starts off, the documentary is called Is There Anybody Out There? It follows the filmmaker Ella Glendening, who is trying to see is there anybody else out there with the condition that she was born in, in particular uh, the way that her thighs and her feet um, have been formed. She has trouble walking and there's all of these surgeries that kind of get uh, tossed to people who have the same disability. And at the beginning, you know, she's a little bit of a stubborn person. Mm -hmm. And I I was kind of like, all right, this person's going in and choosing, hey, this is what I want for my life. This is uh, what I'm looking for. I'm seeking somebody else out there who has the same condition as I do. She may or may not find somebody, but it may not be to to the liking of being exactly like her. But then the second half of the doc shows a lot of growth. This is a documentary that's shot over four years. And uh, this is another personal doc where it's really a journal that she's keeping of just trying to see uh, when she was young, she didn't see herself as different. And then she grows up and the world tells her she is. Mm -hmm. So then it's her not thinking that she stood out and then trying to find who else can be as similar as her. The second half without really getting into, I'm sure the trailer will show more, I thought it was actually kind of freaking beautiful, hmm. and it shows her growth to a degree of what happens when you expand outside of your viewpoint. Yeah, um, yeah. the the first half, <laughs> it, it, it almost didn't happen, but then I, I really like what she was able to tell with cool. the second half, and how it's something that's bigger than her own personal journey. So, is there anybody out there, uh, another movie dealing with disabilities, just as last, last year's, um,
1: didn't see you there? Yeah, I didn't see you there. It the was one of that? the award winners.
0: Yeah, that was one of the award winners, still doing is its run right now, so... If that one interested you or this one, put that one on your horizon. Totally. The next one is going to Netflix, Ooh, right? Already? Victim Suspect. Another one that because they had the Netflix pickup, we thought, oh, all right, it's gonna be really by the numbers. Another surprise as well. This comes from documentarian Nancy Schwartzman who previously did Roll Red Roll. This is on Prime. I don't know if you've seen this.
1: Bottle uh, football No, team. I haven't, yeah.
0: And she knows how to investigate them down to a T. I should've known that, that she was gonna keep that same energy here. This is a documentary that's showing you the journalistic perspective of what you gotta do L.A. Noir style. All right, if I say this, they're, they're, they're done with me. So right. I gotta tease you just enough to get the info that I need. Mm-hmm. And it is frustrating. You remember the show on Netflix, um, Unbelievable?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: this is the doc version of that. Interesting. This is how so many things get lost in the rubble and on purpose hmm. because they just decided to, to not listen to it. Uh, this documentary does a great job of looking at a double standard one way. Oh, he's just a boy, boys will be boys. And she flips that when she's investigating for one of uh, uh, their individuals, specifically because it showcases how someone who's a victim makes a claim and they go, I think you're a liar, so that's a false claim. Yeah. Now you're a suspect. Yeah,
1: it seems specifically focused on how the police will will take people who should be uh, b- receiving justice and brings justice down on yeah, them Yeah, you instead. have so many
0: stories. Someone calls the cop and the cop <laughs> ends up coming at them. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is that movie in terms of a lot of uh, women who have been dealing with SA, yeah. Victim Suspect, pretty good title for it. Um, I, re- I really liked it, and this Absolutely. should be on on Netflix if I'm not mistaken, but Catch Roll Red Roll over on Prime, because that's also a really good doc that has the same approach. Nice. Invisible Beauty, wrapping up the top three over here in the streaming ones. Mm-hmm. Invisible Beauty covers fashion icon Bethan Hardison, and it goes through everything that's happened to a lot of black models or agents in modeling. Mm-hmm. Zach, it's not good. pull <laughs> up uh, some of the notes that I had over here. It was crazy to just hear the different things that they denote in the back. There was one point where uh, uh, her whole approach is that she's not here to bring anybody down, right? Right. As someone who's dealt with so much BS, she's not trying to get rid of other models. She's not trying to put anybody down. She's trying to pick everybody up. I like that approach to her. It was also interesting to hear her talk about how she forgot a lot of things she said. She's like, Wow. That was a really good quote I said back in 1990-whatever. It gets into the idea about all these luxury brands that did not want their clothes to be on black bodies. How uh, there were a lot of agents who knew right away that when they were dealing with certain things, uh, certain seasons, they didn't want certain models there. Uh, I think it gets into the nitty-gritty of it. And personally, this is one where at 115 minutes, they talked about a seven-hour cut and a four-hour cut. (laughs) This should have been a miniseries. Um, I'm not sure who picked this one up because it's still being shopped around. If I'm not mistaken, yeah.
1: One thing that I've noticed, which we haven't touched on yet, is that there's been fewer pickups out of Sundance (laughs) this year. There have been and some big ones, but uh, there's still a lot of films seeking distribution.
0: Yeah. So hopefully, this one gets a release. And again, I hope that we get to see a version of the Seven Hour Cut because it's all made up of anecdotes and. Yeah, I think those should have been out there as well. The uh, directors and editors also worked on stuff like Halston. Mm. So if you've seen Halston, yeah. a very fashion-centric movie, obviously. Dior and I, another uh, fashion-centric one. They've got this down. So at least it's nice. documentarians who, who know the subject matter. The last two, I don't know if you got to catch any of these. Food I didn't and country catch... All right, I'll keep these brief. Wooden yeah. Country, it's about what you eat. It's so standard and by the numbers, I've heard this a dozen times in YouTube videos, but look, this really is the best version. Someone's gonna see this and be like, oh my goodness. It's one of those. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just get into like organic foods and the farms and hey, you know, they really treat these animals bad and Mm -hmm. the ecosystem. It also gets into like, yo, why is there only scraps over here? There's a movie that played this year at Sundance. that has got a specific line. Why are all the grocery stores six hours away? Six miles away. Six miles away It's for a purpose. They want us to eat junk. This is a documentary that gets into all of that, and uh, again, I think it wraps it up beautifully. Nothing new that I didn't know, Mm -hmm. but this is a perfect wrap-up of all of that. Uh, So check that one out, hopefully it gets a release, as well as It's Only Life After All, one of the big premieres coming out of the premiere documentary section about the band Indigo Girls. It's a pair that went through a lot of BS growing up, not just because of their orientation, their sexual orientation, not just because of the style that they had, but because they got to be the butt of jokes to a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was a solid look at their lives. It's 123 minutes, so you get the whole two hours. And besides looking at um, their journey up, seeing them talk about their relationship,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I thought was really interesting. How one of them felt they forced the other to do things they may not have wanted. How they were kind of approaching uh, all the ups and downs that they went through. Even being willing to look back and be like, yeah, plays an interview. I kind of messed up there i like that so uh, nice. i i'm not the biggest indigo girls fan yeah i've known of them they've been in several uh, cameos and been used a lot in pop culture yeah. but i thought it was a pretty solid duck for their story
1: all right so let's talk about the the rented section right yep
0: this is a section where i definitely think you need to watch these at least by the end of the year because there's something special in these movies that even if they may not make, have made our top 10 mm-hmm. 12 13 whatever we have there's a chance it may make it to yours.
1: These are a lot of the movies that are like at the top of my. I just wished I caught them, and I didn't find the time. You should have caught
0: this one right yep. here. Nam June Pike, Moon is the oldest TV. This man Damien created YouTube. Mm. Uh, this is produced and is narrated by Stephen Yoon. So, already off the bat, yeah. we're checking out. They've been working on this one for a while, and it looks back at this guy who created uh, the television idea of every artist in the world having their own channel. Mm. They get into this concept of how uh, Adolf only had a radio with one knob because he felt that that's all you needed, a box to tell you something. And he's like, no, no, no. If We had different channels. Everyone could create something interesting. He really started live streaming early on when he found out about satellites. And he's like, wait, we can ping these to several people. This man was an artist through and through. One of the lines that they say was all the money he made got invested back into it. So he was perpetually poor. That word, perpetually poor. That was the funniest thing in terms of this artist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a very interesting look at him as uh, an individual, him as someone who was creating these different forms of art, and then just how he really guessed YouTube before it was YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, Highly recommend this one, beautifully edited as well. So check this one out if you have the chance. Um, The Stroll. This makes a really good companion piece with another documentary that is going to be in our top 10. Kokomo's. Um, but I know you got to...
1: you get... No, I only caught from, like a, little bit, a little, little bit of this bit. one. Yeah.
0: Um, it is mentioned in Kokomo as well. This yeah. one won... Uh, I think you have whatever it won from the Sundance Awards.
1: Uh, yeah, it won the U.S. Documentary Special Jury Award for Clarity of Vision. This one, it's a about the history of transgender sex workers who lived and worked in New York City's meatpacking mm-hmm. dist- district, which, you know, also I'm sure gets into, like, the way that the, the city has changed and gentrified yep. and pushed a lot of this type of community out.
0: Yeah. Uh, it comes from Zachary Drucker, who did Transparent, the Lady of the Dale, so they worked a lot. On trans Stories, Kristen Lovell has worked on Random Acts of Flyness, because I believe Ooh. this is co-directed, um, but specifically produced A Garden Left Behind, which I think was a really fantastic movie out of South By. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be yeah, it's pretty solid in, in terms of letting you know how a location itself can be targeted, knowing who frequents that location. Absolutely. Um, so The Stroll, I'm not sure exactly who picked this one up, but it did have an award, so there was a chance to catch it if you had the awards category as nice. well. This next one was one where it was a special screening about Stephen Curry, <laughs> who's not even retired yet, who just won, ain't underrated. Yeah, but he called it underrated. Stephen Curry underrated. It's a documentary about Stephen, Stephen Curry. Curry. Uh, He's underrated. He is underrated. I didn't even know that that was what his uh, his his merch
1: is underrated. Oh really? Yeah. I, thought I had no clue. But Why? you got you got to brand the whole thing. Okay. Uh, so he showed up and he got booed right off the bat. Is he the I, least <laughs> underrated individual? Like, I, I just...
0: Yeah, kind of. I mean, when you... Are there were... right,
1: Steph haters? I don't know any there Steph There is haters. no Steph
0: haters because yeah. there's no Steph
1: lovers. He's the Only the guy... people who try to get his autograph. That's
0: it, yeah. <laughs> He's the one guy who's like so close to actually getting up there yeah. with MJ's <laughs> records, but no one really talks about that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get the love... So he thinks he's overly getting the hate. Yeah. He doesn't. He's yeah. right in the middle. And honestly, that's sometimes the best place to be. Exactly, You're getting everything you want. You got a beautiful wife. You got beautiful kids, all who appear in the documentary. <laughs> um, and you have a, a great story to tell. Yes, he's a skinny, not the tallest basketball player. And it kind of uh, reflects on his early years in college. And that one year where they almost made it, he was you know, just completely underrepresented and everyone was throwing him down. Yeah. And then contrasting that with obviously everything that he wins. It's a little uneven because you spend this two-hour documentary focusing on his college years, and then kind mm-hmm. of a little bit in the in, in the present. Yeah. But you can tell like after he wraps up that college year story, oh, by the way, I won this year, this year, this year, this year, this year, and then right. here's how we won immediately. And I'm like, bro, you made this documentary on that last win, when everyone was doubting you. When you won, you realized all these cameras, this is my last dance moment <laughs> right here. When he won that last one is when he realized, yeah. I wanna make a documentary. He's been producing Holy Moly, mm-hmm. he's been producing uh, Stuff that has gotten Oscar nominations, the one where the kid broke through the ice, that oh, Christian movie, that was, it was him.
1: That? He was a producer. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the people in the NBA space are trying to get into the movie space as well. And Steph is using what he's got to- He's
0: close to LA, but there's another man closer to LA. <laughs> he's been producing too many movies yeah, oh. and appearing in them, so- I like...
1: just kind of feel like if I, I want a Steph Curry career a documentary after he's done with his basketball career. Yeah, this right.
0: is a Steph Curry documentary, but it's not the Steph Curry documentary. Yes. It's real. I called it a Skip Bayless disc. <laughs> he does not show the man's face. He just shows him complaining and then shows him proving him wrong. That's what the documentary is meant for. Uh, but it comes from Homeroom director Peter Nix. We really ah, like this guy. Sundance he, alum. I uh, was able to see him. Um, Steph, I think, also produced this movie. Mm-hmm. But Ryan Coogler was there as well because they're all directors who have worked at the Bay. Uh, in the Bay Area, for the Bay Area, around the Bay Area, he specifically has a trilogy: *The Forest*, *Waiting Room*, and *Home Room*. We've mentioned in the past. I-, I like all of those movies; they're yeah. really good. And obviously, he was going to be the person to be chosen to do this documentary. Uh, he got his—I know he went back. His mom was like, "I got—I know you got the gold awards, but how about a gold diploma?" <laughs> Never got his diploma, and the documentary is also about him going back to school during COVID. It got picked up by Apple. You'll see it on an iPhone soon. Absolutely. Next up is Five Seasons of Revolutions. Zach didn't get to catch this one, but it was a part of these really big documentaries in the middle of war-torn yeah. states, countries. This one's interesting because it follows Lena, one name, a documentarian, really journalist, camera person who doesn't have a real name and neither do any of her colleagues. The whole thing is done in secret when she's meeting with people. there's You, know, you gotta make sure, is that person for real? Are they in <laughs> with you? Are they an op? What's gonna happen? A lot of the people she's meeting with have these Snapchat filters on their face. So you never even get to see them.
1: Yeah, You were saying it reminded me a bit of Welcome to Chechnya, how they do the face. Well, that, that, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, best yeah.
0: version of that technology. Right. But yes, it did. Uh, and it's an interesting story because she's going through, she's counting it through seasons, mm-hmm. the five seasons that she's over there trying to get into these different spaces. I really liked it. And this is one of those, because we're watching so many documentaries, I have it lower because we saw stuff that was incredible. Mm -hmm. But really, this one uh, on a rewatch might go even higher. And I'm very curious to see a lot of the other stuff that she's done because she's been overseas for 10 years. dude. This one also was produced by Laura Portras, right?
1: Portras, yeah. Citizen Four. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Also got, did she get a nomination this year for? All the Beauty
1: and the Bloodshed. It's the
0: one non-Sundance movie that made it in. (laughs) So now she's here producing a Sundance movie. There's a chance this might make it in. She's made fantastic movies. If she's producing, you know it's going to be good. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to revisiting this one, but definitely want to have on your radar, Five Seasons of Revolution. Another one is Twice Colonized. Yeah. This is a personal tale on uh, Aju Peter. She is a woman who is fighting for the rights of indigenous people, but looking back at what got them to the position that they were in, this mm-hmm. one's interesting because there was a movie that you like narratively that they didn't invade physically, it invaded economically. Right. She's looking at like, yo, you fake gave us our independence. Mm. It's the biggest Greenland this track of all time, bro. Let me pull up some of the notes that I had over here. She's a very interesting individual, and we had a lot of those where you're following someone's perspective as they're speaking for a people. Giovanni's going to be one where I thought right. mastered that. This one was really good from that perspective as well. Um, because she's speaking uh, half in English in her indigenous language, not half, in thirds, uh, and yeah, she's Yeah, she's it. Yes. She starts like... <laughs> I love how she uses Dutch as a form of an insult. Mm. They're like, they reveal something to her and and they go, you seem angry. And she responds in Dutch. She's like, no, I'm just acting Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) It's this idea of like realizing that people need a unified group and indigenous groups don't. Mm. They're all from different tribes, right? Unless we say the word indigenous, what's the flag for it?
1: Right. What's and the language is for hotly it? hotly debated. And yeah. because
0: of that, there's not this group that can unite together to yeah. unify. And I thought the movie did a really good job of breaking that down. Interesting. So, Twice colonized. The idea of how are you getting colonized secretly without you even realizing it after you were given your freedom. Definitely put that one on your radar. As well as the winner of this year. The Eternal Memory came in and scooped up. I'm sure you'll pick it up right now. I'm assuming it's the World Cinema one. I think, yeah, it
1: was the Grand Jury Prize winner for World Cinema. Man. Um, And this is one of the ones that I've heard is a potential Oscar contender down the line. It's
0: in. Easily. First of all, it comes from the director who did, uh, a couple years ago, The Mole Agent. Michael Verdi.
1: Which I think Mole Agent got in the Oscar. I'm pretty
0: sure Mole Agent made it in. If not... Yeah, it it was at nominated. least shortlisted. got nominated, okay, cool. it didn't win, but yeah. That alone is worth watching this. Yeah. Then on top of that, a little director called Pablo Lorraine decided to produce a couple of movies, <laughs> and I think this was the best produced one that he did. Mm. The Eternal Memory follows uh, a couple, one who was a reporter, one who was an actress, and even got involved into um, the government for cultural reasons um, in the arts. Getting to the point in their life, I think 25 years down the line.
1: Yeah, they've been in a relationship for 25 years. Where the
0: husband is now starting to forget things. And yeah. it's her just taking care of that person. The, the the director pretty much said, I believe the world would be a better place if everybody took like one year not to go fight in a war or to pick up guns, yeah. but to actually go and take care of another individual. Exactly. That would change everybody's Cause, life. Because the
1: husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So, like, the plot line of the documentary says both of them fear the day <laughs> he no longer recognizes her. And, you know, with That's a good. film like that, especially when you're talking about a documentary where you can't, like, make it, give it a happy ending, like, there, there, it's going to be, like, a countdown to some Just devastating <laughs> moment
0: yeah easily so uh definitely check this one out if you're curious it's also a really good mix of the director getting some the wife recording the personal moments because mm. is there sometimes like you're just in their house recording them yeah. no she set up the camera because she herself was in the arts um and then the husband dude it's really the director shot some of it the wife shot some of it and the husband had home footage so mm. he shot all of his stuff back when you remembered it it's good uh, again, the the big Eternal winner memory. there. Eternal Memory. Keep that one on your radar. Wrapping up the top three. Zach got to see these, so I'll let you take them away right here. All Starting right. Starting off with The Disappearance
1: of Sheer Height. Yeah, The Disappearance of Sheer Height. You got to see the world premiere of this one, too. Was, I didn't even know it was the world premiere. I just waitlisted. Got in there. Uh, right afterwards, the
0: game was this bad boy at the race. Ten feet from Dakota Johnson. Oh, my. We rushed up there, bro. It looked like we were going <laughs> to gonna tackle
1: her. <laughs> uh but yeah dakota johnson there because she not only produces this one she narrates it and yeah, she does. uh d- a lot of her narration is taking letters that sheer Hight wrote and then f- giving voice to them too and it i actually like I, at first i was like oh they just got some celebrity voice they got someone who kind of sounds really like uh, her
0: i forgot that it was her narrating it flows so well dude they yeah. have the balls to go from her fully speaking in, mm-hmm. a, in an interview to then her narrating,
1: like cross dissolve, seamless. They both got that thing where like they don't. Stop. It doesn't
0: feel like they're always at full volume. Yeah, even yeah. when they're yelling at you, exactly they're yelling at you in a really intense <laughs> way. Yeah.
1: yeah, the way that you don't want your like mother to talk. She to you also her had something. a fantastic
0: moment in the Q and A where someone was walking out, and she's like, "I think he has a question. Nope, just leaving. Okay." <laughs> it was an honor to see her yeah. life to see her work like that
1: the documentary yes follows sheer height who wrote this best selling book in the mid 70s uh, the height report which was basically her uh anonymously polling lots of men lots of women about their different like sexual desires and feelings and experiences and it's this thing where it, it before, prior to this, many people hadn't done those kinds of surveys or done them in that kind of way. So first she, Buzzfeed
0: poll, <laughs> exa- exactly.
1: And the, so uh, she became this figure who revealed a lot of yeah. inner desires and and feelings that people maybe weren't ready to confront or mm-hmm. or, or accept. Yeah. And a lot of this documentary really focuses on the reaction to her naming these things that we understand rather than necessarily like the, th- the things themselves. It's a pretty fascinating look at not only like what uh, the, the documenting of uh, people's sexual desires, but also the people's discomfort at like accepting certain that aspects of. They it. just
0: refuse to be like yeah. I don't I don't think this is true. Uh, it it, only it doesn't a, apply to me, it so it can't be. You also like the study. It only had a hundred people. <laughs> this other one also had a hundred people, but you love that one. Yeah, she's really quick on her feet as well, which I thought was really great to see. And it's not really her disappearance; it's yeah. her story. Yeah. It's a really great title, but the disappearance part isn't.
1: It, it gives you as maybe like a false point. expectation when it's a more of bit, a yeah. more of a like self. Yeah. But, Removal. but
0: in terms of one of those documentaries where you're going back, and I believe this is an NBC one, don't quote me on that, it's got either going to be CBS or NBC, which means, Peacock. yeah, you'll have it up there. Uh, that team really did their work in going back and getting a lot of these archives, and then, like you said, the narration is great. Uh, it's also produced by R.J. Cutler, a documentarian I, I think is really good. He. A lot of people thought his documentary, his upcoming one was going to be here, ended up producing. Instead, you got Nicole Noonan. Do you know what she's done? Crip Camp, probably uh, one of the biggest docs to come out of Sundance sense. a couple of years ago. Made it all the way to the Oscars as well. So uh, I see this one as being something that's going to have some legs uh, leading up to award season. And honestly, it's a really good breakdown on sheer height. Now I got to read both of her books and that third one, too, that she had. <laughs> uh, next up is Bad Press. Yes. Another winner.
1: The U.S. Documentary Special Jury Award winner for freedom of expression.
0: I'm going to close some of these over here. <laughs> uh, bad Press. Yes. Yeah. This one was also in the U.S. documentary, if I'm not mistaken. And yes. we love the Special Jury Awards because it's like they come up with whatever. Because it's a special jury. They get they to make it up on the spot. a prize for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We will have our own intercut special jury. <laughs> um, freedom of expression, easily. It's like that's what the whole premise of the movie is about, this idea that who can control the news. And at, at that point, there goes elections. Mm-hmm. There goes... Uh, just the whole control of what the narrative is in a town, yeah.
1: Because this documentary did reveal something that I had no idea about but makes perfect sense mm-hmm. that because uh indigenous reservations on this in this country are not technically part of the race, United yeah. States, they don't have freedom of the press. So, and 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 I think the statistic from the documentary is of the nearly 600 uh reservations that are in the U.S., only five of them have laws protecting the press it's so really Damn. incredible that they uh, you know that this is a that large of an issue that yeah. hasn't really been. i mean i guess who's there to report on it that's the whole but point. Yeah. and yeah and that's, i think it's messed up, bro. it's it's a great journalism doc because it's partly about the uh the work that goes into reporting and the importance of that reporting, Mm -hmm. but it's also about the obstacles that are in the way, particularly in this case, the obstacles that politicians can uh, put in their way. And while like it is specifically about uh, the, what is it? The um, uh, Muscogee nation. It it is something that you can see ripples of in larger society, because there's any powerful figure does not want to have uh, transparency yeah. and, and journalistic freedom.
0: That's a great point. Cause Amanda really liked this one and she was like, nah, this is the stuff that's happening in Canada. Canada yeah. Has a huge thing in Canada. Cause they, they, that new Canada law about you can't broadcast or stream things if it doesn't benefit Canada. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way uh, to put it that way. It's one of those docs where you're looking at this specific town, but it applies to so much. Totally. More. Bad press wrapping up almost damn near in our top doc So we yeah, already have probably too many could top have top been in there I, you know what in 10 was 13 let me, instead let me message the producers here we yeah i got it right. i just got we can put it in. Yeah, cool. still a michael j fox story <laughs> making it in the top 13 yo we were we were expecting this to be so by the numbers yeah and it was like by the numbers infolded in and just taking <laughs> advantage of that talk about the editing exactly. like it's we, so
1: good. we're always skeptical when you talk about these biodocs we've we've already dissed on do- biodocs yeah. this. this is definitely like an elevated much more clean version of it the yes. editing as you mentioned does this thing where f- first of all it's based on Michael J Fox's memoirs right mm-hmm. so you're taking a lot of his own words interviews with him and then interpolating it into the story of Michael J Fox but then in order to help sell you on how he feels They pull from a career lived in TV and film and take clips from... uh, I always mix it up as a Family Ties or... uh, uh, Shoot. I can tell you right (laughs) now. But But, but they take clips from Back to the Future. They take clips from all of his films and use those moments when his character is saying like, Oh, I'm tired or "Oh, I'm working too hard. And they do it to underscore how he was feeling at that point in his life.
0: No, bro. The way that you put it was like they didn't just find stuff. It felt like they time traveled back in time to get him to say it specifically. Yeah. Like that's how good they were in, in going through his footage and sifting through. Cause it's not just like the, oh, I'm tired. It feels, like that's exactly what he said yeah. about the scenario in the documentary when they're when they're talking about it. Uh yeah, no, the editing was fantastic. And it's okay. also does... J. Fox
1: show. <laughs> that's what <to> do. <laughs> It also does a really cool thing because like I think whenever you do Family a... Ties. Family ties, yeah. When you ever you do a bio doc like this, like you have to include the footage. You have to show the things that people know them for. But rather than just like show so a wishing. random clip for no reason, reason, they show clips that like literally go with the story? Yeah.
0: And then you get a montage of like so much of the stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, it also reminded me a lot of the Val doc, in where he had yeah. no problems sitting yes. there going like, and it plays with the title. I don't want to spoil it, but he pretty the much the way that they
1: tie the title in is very, very yeah, it was beautiful. pretty good.
0: He looks back at his life and he realizes all the stuff that he did wrong as well. And uh, yeah, no, uh, it was also really uh, fun to see him at the premiere for "You Heard My Feelings," which we had mentioned. I know yeah. there's videos out that uh, of that out there, and uh, we had made a connection about them working together in something so there was a specific reason why he was there and it, w- it made that moment really special but yeah it was cool to see that he was going around in the festival he was there for his premiere he was there for uh a lot of the q a's stuff that he was doing so uh, I- i'm rooting for this one it's coming out on apple tv also if i'm not mistaken yes yeah. it's an apple tv one at 95 minutes for a man with this big of a career they really crunched in i mm-hmm. was very impressed with what they
1: did i feel like of the personal documentaries we saw like this. This is the one that maybe has a chance to kind of resonate beyond, and partially because people do really, really love him, yeah. but it's also really well executed. It you is.
0: Know? Uh, comes from David Guggenheim. He did a little movie called An Inconvenient Truth. Yep,
1: not he exactly did, uh, a rookie documentary. Yeah. He
0: is not at all. Worked on Trading Day. And he also has a producer of Summer of Salt. Boy State, A Thousand Cuts, Time, Where's My Roy coin? Mm-hmm. we're going to be seeing more of this movie. So yeah. still a Michael J. Fox story in our top 13. Yeah. We are now in the documentaries where before the year ends, these are the films that we feel you need to add on your watch.
1: You'll be missing the discussion.
0: Yeah, like I can guarantee you, there's 13 out of here. Half of them 100% will
1: hit,
0: Yeah, 50% of the time. But for <laughs> sure, one of these movies is bound to be one of your top documentaries yeah. of the year. Zach, Against the Tide. These next two, I don't think you've you've been able to see. No. So I'm pitching them to you. Zach, please watch Against the Tide. I know. There's a movie that just got nominated this year at the Oscars, uh, The Bird One.
1: Uh, All That Breathes.
0: That was able to cover two brothers who were uh, taking care of these birds over in the Middle East. This is about fishing and two brothers who are trying to keep everything at bay uh, without compromising what they believe in. There is this... um, you know, they have the case system over there, and because of that, you could see them be bound into this thing of like, just pray to God and everything mm-hmm. will be answered. And you got this mother figure who's like, you just got to be patient. No, nah, ma'am, waiting at home. He's going out to fish. Right. And it's this idea of, like, he's got so much debt. Is he going to do this thing called LED light fishing, <laughs> which would ruin his career, mm-hmm. or keep doing this form of old traditional fishing mm-hmm. that isn't helping? So you don't just have the struggle. You have this faith part of it, but you also have this new ways – Versus the old way of staying. I thought it worked really well. This one
1: also won an award. Yeah, it was the World Cinema Documentary Special Jury Award winner for Verite Verite Filmmaking.
0: They got that down. I think it's a very good documentary. It's a reason why it's in our must-watch list. And uh, yeah, I hope that people get to catch this one because, again, you don't have to be a fisherman to see the struggle that he's going through. Um, And he's such a good dude. Like He's such a good guy. That's why you're rooting for him
1: was this the best documentary sub to, uh, talking on matters of climate change in your opinion? King Cole had some of it, but it wasn't necessarily as focused on the climate change is more the industry. Yeah.
0: I would, I would say there's so. usually a
1: good one every year at Sundance.
0: Yeah. But. It's so good that you don't even see that as being the, the front thing. So yes. Right. Yes. Nice. Against the tide, part of the world documentary competition. The next one also part of the world documentary is the personal essay doc. I was telling you about. Yes, Mila Husando. It is so intriguing how they're, how she's able to go from what is a recap of her life, admitting that she lived in an apartheid South Africa. But she was good. Mm. She never felt it, really. Mm-hmm. She just grew up fine. Bro, take it out of South Africa. Go to Mexico. Go to America. How many times does that happen? Where outside of your bubble, everything is ha- Terrible is happening, but you're good. Yeah. How do you break out of that to realize just because it didn't affect you, there's something bigger at play there? She goes from it being a personal doc to just stopping the doc and for like 30 minutes going all just full archives to show you the, the history of apartheid. Right. When she was in that section, I thought this was damn near, I transcended. it. It was like a five out of five doc from there. Wow. She comes back and does this, this weird thing where it becomes a personal moment between her and her friends. And it's their conversations that are shot, just audio.
1: Hmm.
0: So a bit this, of like an
1: almost mixed media approach to the story. Yeah,
0: she said growing up they would only watch seven movies a week from the local rental store that they had there, and that this movie came to her in her dreams. Hmm. I really love the approach that she oh, had yeah. here. Beautiful poster, uh, and like I said, this is my favorite personal essay doc of the festival. Very cool, Mila Sufando. I just, I I come out with this. It's very, very good. I hope people get the chance to see this. Very good work. Let's get into the top 10. Zach, this was your most anticipated. We Give a shout out in the preview. Shout out the PR people. Uh, Some of you have really good PR filmmaking teams. Y'all are going to make it places. (laughs) Some of y'all need to change those people. But shout out to the team for Smoke uh, Santa Sisterhood. You put it at the top,
1: they got us an early link. And it delivered, dude. Absolutely. This was the first film of the films we got to see before the festival that I, w- really hit for me. That I was like, all right, this is going to be one of the ones that we keep talking mm-hmm. about. And, you know, it's not necessarily a film that, like, gonna announce itself in a big way. But I even from the title, even from the plot description, like, it, it gives you a vibe and a feeling. And I think it really delivered on that. Uh, the film, of course, smokes on a sisterhood about uh, this group of women who come together in a... Uh, sauna and just sort of talk and have therapy sessions That's, with each yes. other. But it's also just this really brilliantly put together film in that the way that the camera moves and what chooses to focus on there, there's very little focus on women's faces as they're talking. Yes. It's it's different body parts. It's a lot of naked bodies too. Uh, but they, what they're doing is it's naked bodies delivering naked truths, right? Yes. It, it's, it's this really interesting thing where by kind of disembodying the voices, And using the women as sort of representational figures for maybe womanhood, it's less about, like, this is this one person's story, and this is, like, many people's story. This is the the story of being a woman in some ways. And I thought that was really profound and really moving, and there's a meditative quality to the film, too. Mm -hmm. It ended up picking up the Best Directing Award from World Cinema Documentary. and Yeah, absolutely uh, merits it. it, It's a really fascinating exploration Mm -hmm. of just, like, the Experience of being a woman and, and, and what the and the way that they communicate these stories, I think, is just so deeply felt. It yes. really does feel like listening in on therapy,
0: it really is. You're, you're just a part of the group there. The director, Anna Hintz, uh, has worked on other features before, like For Tomorrow, Paradise Arrives. I find it interesting because she calls herself an active dumpster diver, <laughs> not an ex, active. Uh, and she made a really good movie here. I agree with you, Zach, and I like Chiletto Bocci. Thank I you. haven't liked it yet, but I did like. It. You <laughs> just gotta give it time. It. I did appreciate it. Odyssey, Smoke sauna sister, one of the best documentaries in the fest. Definitely put it on your radar. Alongside one of the most intriguing investigative yeah. ones, Iron Butterfly. from the yes. World Documentary. Talk about
1: another it. one of the ones that really hit for me before they even before the festival even started. Up, uh, the title <clears throat> referring to butterfly-shaped strapping that was found in the body of. Flight oh, MH17, what the uh, Malaysian Airlines flight. Which that, one? Uh, that the, crashed That's the one in, that
0: disappeared, the one that
1: crashed right In, in Ukraine, a, yes. Insane how close those two were. Exactly, yeah. Um, but like, what it is, is it sort of gives you all these different piecemeal responses to that flight crashing. There's news footage being used. There's yes. children's drawings being interpolated. There, there's a dance troupe. Sort of acting out responses to things, and, and in this weird mixed media approach that doesn't really have like one, one. It's not. It's not giving you like one message. It's giving you a lot of messages. Yes. you get just the feeling of the chaos that kind of unfurled from this thing happening that not only the pain that the families felt but the international uh political ramifications and the spin and it's just a really fascinating way to look at a real world event this was really good yeah because it's also only 84
0: minutes Mm -hmm. and it gets into the people on the ground level yeah thought they were heroes Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: is really scary yeah uh and just the way they document and they make themselves believe no 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 it was a it was an attack. That mm-hmm. play was not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the way I can't even open this one, this has got me a little concerned over here. Because <laughs> just so y'all know, Sundance did get hacked in 2017 <laughs> for making a Russian doc. Yep. And I'm trying to pull up exactly what Zach was describing. And the trailer was there, and now it's private. Uh-oh. <laughs> so before this list goes private, let me just say, yes, it does it in a fantastic way of looking back piece by piece to really put together what was happening I I then went to the Wikipedia and it scared me even more because you think certain people are hiding things and they're all like hiding things together. Mm. It really like really, really worries me in terms of honestly just scared me that everybody involved in this or who could have been involved with this is making accusations or not making the right accusations on for whatever reason. Yeah. All, all I know is that this is an adjacent doc to a lot of bigger issues at play mm-hmm. and it, it does a fantastic job because we also talked about last year's movie that was played also uh, this yes, year. Yes, they,
1: Klondike. They brought that back for a like an encore screening. They brought that back for a couple films that didn't get to have their big Sundance premiere last year, like yeah. Summer, uh, Summer, of Soul, Summer of Soul, like Coda, uh, but I'm really glad they brought back Klondike because I think it's been an overlooked film from mm. Sundance last year. Won the Grand Jury Prize for World Cinema, and it also surrounds the downing of this flight and through this lady's house. Yeah, but it's it's really it kind of both films it's sort crazy. of accentuate each other because like you see. Perfect double feature, the, yes. Yeah, the, the the narrative version, and it's like, wow, is it what was it really like that to be on the ground? And then you see what it was like on the ground. It's like, yeah, it's literally just in the middle of this like village. It's
0: yeah, it's so messed up how that happened. Yeah. There were just bodies that got sprinkled around. Uh, look, watch Klondike. Watch this one. Uh, the director Roman Liubyi also has Warno, a doc made up of just found footage shots mm. off of the Ukrainian soldiers' bodies. It's I gotta 14. watch that. So a lot of really great stuff there. Iron Butterflies, fantastic documentary. Very cool. Moving up, the winner of Best Editing, the Jonathan Oppenheim Award, goes to Going Varsity in Mariachi. Yeah. A movie that I ended up catching like several different links to it. Um, And it was really good. Uh, I like how Caitlin put it. She said, This is like a a version of cheer, where you're following the best of the best in the school. You know, it's it's already predestined that this was the school that was going to be followed. Exactly. And you're picking like which students are the ones who kind of need to boost up their their, their practice. All, others are dealing with kind of cultural stuff mm-hmm. in, in their community, uh, within the school. Are they going to be able to make it to the next level? Right. I really like the coach in this. He's the one who holds it together and is really pushing these kids to make it. Um, great music, great editing, like we said. And uh, it takes place in Texas, and it uses Texas full on. Yeah. One of the directors, Alejandro Vasquez, had a South by Southwest short that, that we gave a shout out to Folk. Frontera, also dealing a lot with music. Mm. And it's produced by Papa Miranda, Luis, Luis A. Miranda, Sr. Mm-hmm. So, Pops, Pops is on there as well. <laughs> Definitely going to get a push with this one, uh, especially after getting an award.
1: Yeah, it, remind, it won that uh, Jonathan Ibenheimer, dead award, as you mentioned. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the film that won it two years ago, which we already mentioned, Homeroom, in that it is, you know, you all these different children, <laughs> th- these young adults, and their, their, you know, their pursuit of a higher... Uh, something And uh, Cheer is also a very good comparison in that, like, it shows you how competitive and dedicated these people are to a thing that you might not think would or- ordinarily merit that kind yeah. of competitiveness. Like, I, I, I see Mariachi and I don't think, like, oh, there must be, like, high schoolers in Texas, like killing themselves over trying yeah. to get great at this. If there's a school, there's kids. <laughs> stress, stress something. Exactly. But, but yeah, I see
0: what you mean. The idea that it's like there is competitions for it. Yeah. There is a culture and a tradition that continues to get passed down. And I think that's what makes the documentary really good because you're following these kids who aren't just trying to, you know, do football because it's the next thing. Mm-hmm. They're also seeing it as a way to keep their culture alive. Absolutely. So. Very beautiful documentary uh, with the awards that it picked up. Hopefully it gets a very solid release. Yeah. The next one. You did get to catch this, right? Yeah. Please tell me. I've caught the rest of our top okay, ten. We're good. Because there's no way to talk about this movie yeah. if you did not see the visuals to this. King
1: Cole. This wasn't even in the documentary section. It's next. There, we're, we're pulling documentaries from next. We're pulling documentaries sure. from world and US and from premieres. Sundance scatters them across the map.
0: But this was one that needed to make it into the top ten regardless. Yeah. This is a movie that's looking at uh they specifically said it was like in Pennsylvania. West Virginia, Uh, it's the Appalachians. Yeah, Yeah. so pretty much this place, they worship coal. It is their king. Yeah. And the way she breaks this down and looking at the history of uh, not just the town, but the community itself hosts events for it. People come in, that is their job. People leave, this is what they're known for. It runs everything in this town. And the way that she's able to get into the history of how it was set up to revolve around this, Fascinating, the way that everybody grows up knowing that this is the thing that's going to lead them, and then also making it half of a documentary and then half um, sort of narrative, not fully like you were mentioning in the uh, Iron Butterflies one. But you have these two girls, who she's kind of capturing in the background. One of them makes up the uh, the poster, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of show you the influences of what's going on in this town. This has some of the most beautiful cinematography. Yeah, uh, I don't know what you thought about this one.
1: I mean, I think it's got this really interesting, beautiful <laughs> thing going through it, in that they. They have these moments with this young girl, and it's meant to kind of evoke like uh, the the new generation coming in and seeing the remnants of what was once like this legacy, yeah. right? Because it, it, what what is fascinating about it is seeing the cult of coal in these areas. They they have football teams dedicated like to it. it like they i the, the thing that really comes is the the let's all give a round of applause for our coal miners like their servicemen yeah. or something like that which is like if you know how vital it is to the in, the region it obviously makes sense it but shapes your... you don't necessarily like i have never seen that kind of dedication to it or that that like the the coal shoveling competitions mm-hmm. and stuff like that it it's really just a appear into a what feels like a foreign world but it's so close to at least geographically where we are Um, but yeah beyond that it's also got this really kind of like ethereal like dreamlike quality in that it's sort of uh, the narration discusses and the the the, the absence from the region and the 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 way that it's sort of dying out this culture
0: clearly she's from there and it's super personal and she finds Mm -hmm. a way she calls it a myth Yeah, I think it's the best way to put it she's almost talking about it like it's happening in someplace else isn't it crazy that they do this stuff with the rocks that they have there uh i thought you did a really great job with it king cole very short movie as well 78 minutes it's a breeze uh and there's a fascinating way of telling a documentary of this of this town moving on we have one it's just all hits from here isn't it
1: yeah i mean this one is
0: oh my goodness Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni project, the movie where I thought it's gonna be one of those where we're following you know, another individual, an iconic person. Mm
1: -hmm. Because of that, it's one that was way down my list and I'm glad you told me to make sure I I caught it.
0: I came home telling you, (laughs) Alina, I'm like, yo, this Giovanni lady is a G. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. It won the US grand jury prize for documentary,
1: rightfully so. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes with these profile documentaries there's a worry that it's going to be too much like the wikipedia page and this is not like this is really like about her her message about her writings about her poetry and and trying to sort of like plot that out and and give you like the feeling of it and also you get a sense of like how her work has really resonated with people too it's also just the rare case where like we there's so many profile documentaries out there and like they you obviously want the interview with the subject, but sometimes the subject isn't that interesting or revealing. She is, everything Bro. out of her mouth feels like a Bro. mic drop.
0: When, when James Baldwin says, I think you're pretty cool, you're pretty <laughs> exactly, pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Like she's like an intellectual thought leader. She's yeah. somebody who is worth listening to. And I also really respect and love that they put it in the documentary there. The amount of times that she would get a question and be like, I don't feel like answering that. No, I mom. got you
0: right here. You, uh, they bring up something about her childhood and she says, you want me to go to a place that will make me unhappy. And I do not want to go back to a place where I can't do anything about it.
1: It's, it's not, it's more than just a refusal to answer the question. It's like a An thesis statement yes. on her, her life. Right. And, and when you are able to like spit profundities that quickly, it's worth profiling.
0: It's, it's really good stuff. Not to put it this way, but you know how like everybody puts those little Instagram captions. This is obviously better than that. Yeah. But even then, this is what y'all should be putting your Instagram captions on. There's one point where she goes, uh, you know, she gets really emotional. She goes, you know what? I pay for my car. I pay for my house. If I want to cry, I'll do that too. <laughs> uh, this is, she's just a badass. Yeah.
1: I won't spoil her ending line about being in space, but it's, it's so fan
0: freaking tastic. Go Going to Mars and Nikki Giovanni story. There's the the fact that there's something else above this in the U.S. dot competition mm-hmm. just showcases. Yeah that we had a great year. I don't know if we said it on on a a recording yet. We've had a great year at Sundance. Absolutely. So let's talk about our one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, top five docs. We're in here. Zach, this one blew you away. Last minute, fourth quarter, (laughs) Mm -hmm. on the complete opposite (laughs) side, Zach was able to catch this effort's win beyond Utopia. Before you do, these numbers were insane. 4.2, it had a 9.8 coming out of the fest.
1: Yeah, on IMDb.
0: What resonated with you, man?
1: Well, I mean, it's obviously a fascinating subject, right? Because this is uh, a f- documentary that takes hidden camera footage uh, from a high stakes escape from North Korea, and, and one of the obviously m- most, uh, you know, fascinating regimes and awful uh, places on earth, right? In and- comparisons and- to a lot of other <laughs> terrible regimes, yeah. And-, and I think you know, there's there's just a fraught. Uh, edge of your seat nature to anything that depicting that kind of journey Um, you really do feel like you're on the journey for lots of parts Mm -hmm. of it but it's also a documentary that has all these really interesting interviews all these really revealing uh, glimpses of life in North Korea or what the experience of a North Korean is like particularly the experience of a North Korean who is leaving the country too Um, it's a lot of good movies yeah I I just think it's you know a fascinating subject handled in a fascinating way Um, it's it didn't end up being the top documentary for me of my list but yeah. i know a lot of people who came away from sundance thinking this was the this. best documentary there it won the audience yeah. award for us documentary
0: good. people were like this was also available online it was one of the last minute editions and yeah. the, out of all of them you know steph curry going to apple but no not online for the fest mm-hmm. this one was and i to me that says a lot i appreciate that um a lot of people love this one i respect it a lot i also have it high but not as high as some of the others ones we had it could be another thing of just seeing these other documentaries we we're about to mention yeah. just taking it had, far and away
1: had i not seen the vice documentaries in north korea i think i would have had this one higher
0: it, i think that's what it is for me it's like yeah. the food and country thing where it's like yeah north korea is bad
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> i knew that yep so this is like for the for the people who haven't seen that it breaks it down to a crazy degree uh junam has that longing of an immigrant who left a war-torn place there's a lady who does give a whole speech about missing home, regardless of what happened over there. It's what she knew. Um, my only thing with it, and it was interesting because the filmmaker here directed or edited 30 plus features, one of them being loose, one of my favorite Sundance ones. It was the editing that just took me a little bit. And I could be completely wrong. It's completely fine. Because that was one of the ones where I had told you guys, I'm like, this is really good. It's not up there with the best. But it's getting really really reviews. Make sure you watch yeah. it. Uh, I feel like the music was very
1: noble. Yeah, it definitely t- really tells you how to feel in moments.
0: That was my only thing. Yeah. People are loving this. Give it the give it the give it the watch. Uh it may end up being one of your favorites, because as you said, it won some really big awards. Mm-hmm. The award winner that really stuck with me though was another World Cinema Documentary
1: one. And this one won a special award, right? Uh yeah, which one did this one? Uh it won the World Cinema Special Jury Award for Creative Vision. Love, love that one. Ones. Love to have a creative vision. <laughs> Because yeah,
0: sometimes they don't have creative vision. So mm-hmm. when they do have one, it's really nice to see. We
1: should give out our least creative vision. <laughs> so
0: that would be pretty, this was so by the, by the numbers. Pretty Do, baby. do better. <laughs> uh, fantastic Machine. It is also produced by Ruben Ausland. Yeah. Academy Award nominee for there Best Director, go. Ruben Ausland, um, from uh, Force Majeure, The Square. What are you going to nominate this for?
1: Triangle Sadness. Triangle Sadness. There we go. These
0: two directors, I believe, are also from wherever Ruben Austin's from. So it is technically a world documentary. Mm -hmm. So it's completely narrated in a different language. Uh, Let's see right here, make sure I got it. Swedish. But all of the
1: archival footage is in English, French, German, Arabic, primarily English, really. Yeah, it's taking mostly like viral clips, but also a lot of like archival clips. Archival stuff.
0: Fascinating thing about this is that it's technically a quote.
1: Yeah. Entire name. I don't know if you got it. I I don't remember. It was one king of England, I forget which king of England. My, king I'm of really England. bad with English yeah. history. They,
0: they brought him this box, showcased it to him. They filmed his coronation, maybe? And he was like, oh my gosh. And the, then the king said, what, what a, a fantastic, fantastic machine. machine. So the full name is, which I think is fire. Yeah. And then the king said, what, what a, a fantastic, fantastic
1: machine. machine. If they release it under that title, I'll bump it up half a star. <laughs> Hell yeah. I,
0: I think they did the Netflix thing where it's like, that's not the SEO title, right. but in the movie. I heard they paint houses. Um... <laughs> uh, and it does a great job, well, you said, of showing you viral footage we've seen before, mm-hmm. but in a context where it really works, they have a moment in here where because it's called a fantastic machine, the point of that is that it's really getting into um, how we've commodified video. Every shot that we get, even this, it's to make money. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it a fantastic machine. It's the fact that you could record this and put it out there in this world and yeah. make money out of it from live streaming, from OnlyFans, from CNN, they went at CNN worse than Andrew Callahan did. Uh, It does a really great job at showcasing how easily something in front of the camera doesn't matter doesn't matter how much you know as long as you're saying the right things it could be someone you picked up off yeah. the street from accident
1: but they also do a really good they, job of putting different shots in different contexts right because they there's one bit that i really loved where they show an interview with uh, lenny Riefenstahl, the one, one, woman who shot triumph of the will the adolf hitler speeches okay. right and they're showing her talking about her filmmaking techniques and how she tried to make this like grand amazing moment and then they cut the footage of uh, concentration camps and starving Jewish uh, survivors, yes. you know, and just to see the the juxtaposition of those clips speaks volumes to yeah. like, th- you know, the the how perverse it is to use cameras how in certain ways and the different feelings you can evoke. And mm-hmm. so I think there are moments in this documentary that really, really kind of they speak very loudly without speaking at you. Right. Yes.
0: The, the one where there was like, here's a tutorial on how to help you in a very perilous situation then the next video is here's how to make a bomb
1: yeah yeah so
0: it's a really short documentary it's under 90 minutes it throws a lot at you that i thought it was it was fantastic we always sometimes mentioned why would you show that influencer that person and they had this answer in the doc Mm -hmm. not for that but the idea of like in the media when they showcase a mass shooting murder whatever Mm -hmm. it is there's always a psychologist that's telling you don't do that so the question was brought up to them you have moments where you do showcase these people. How do you answer for that? And I think just like when they show the influencers, they gave a fantastic response of in in the right context, yeah. which this is, you are able to get into those pockets to talk about anything and showcase something because the context is in educating you. It's yeah. in breaking down, look at, I can't show you the pattern to look out for if I don't show you the pattern originally.
1: Right, and when you, you place a certain clip between a couple other clips, like you, there's a certain you interpret that's it differently. A, yeah,
0: that's a big thing. Because I don't know if you know this about YouTube. We've dealt with this a lot of times. Uh, you know, on YouTube, you get like a covering thing and you get to delete yeah. it. It's people have done that because it allows them to be like, I'm going to do, I don't know, something here. BS for 10 seconds. Upload it, it's fine. Cut that out. And then it allows me to create whatever the symbol is. Yeah, They know that. Uh, this movie knows that. It, it is a very good documentary looking at the world of film, which is really young. That's a big thing they push in there. It's it's not that not that old. Fantastic machine, a fantastic movie. In our top three. Oof. Kokomo City. Incredible, incredible doc. Another one that's not even in the three doc categories. It is in the next category where it won the audience award for the next uh, films. The next innovator award presented by some company. Uh, this movie is so simple. It is for sex workers, trans women, who are just filming a bathtub. Um there, there's some other people who are in the movie as well, but it's like on a bad, it's in black and white. They keep it super simple. Uh, and D. Smith in particular was a collaborator with a lot of rappers, mm-hmm. uh, Shoot Me Down. It's also unlisted over here, but they did that music video with Lil Wayne, transitioned, asked somebody for a favor if they could buy them a camera, bought them a camera, shot this movie in black and white because they said it's it's more elegant. Black and white movies, they're timeless. I feel that these women who are talking are telling you a timeless story. Plus, they're telling you truth and nothing is more truthful than a black and white film. Not one (laughs) Sundance. I thought this was great. This is the best example of just sitting down and getting uh, talking heads, breaking down stuff for you. You were re-watching it and I was trying to watch some shorts and I was still paying attention to some of the sequences in this movie. Uh, This is a standout for me, easily in the top five documentaries of the fest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, You know, it's not the only documentary to look at trans sex workers or or look at this type of like occasionally like marginalized, overlooked community. It's not even the only documentary in this festival. Nope. to look at them. But the only role. documentary I've seen to do it in this kind of stylish vivacious way that feels more like a celebration of life yes, than right. like a warning of a lifestyle it or something It doesn't feel like, that.
0: like somebody was like, "Oh, those trans people over there look really interesting. Yeah. Let me go get it's a story not, out of them." Nah. It's not
1: condescending at it's, all. It's the opposite. It, it's it's really like putting these women up on a pedestal and like, valuing their stories and their mm-hmm. humor yeah. and and just the, the the how candid they are with the documentary, like, there's a it's lot funny. of things. It's, it's very funny it's because funny. it's so revealing, and it's also like so honest. It's the kind of honesty that, like, you are never going to get in like a real Thank life you. situation. It yes. Yeah, and, and, and to be able to get that kind of like glimpse that that inner workings, I, I don't know. It's very very cool. The fact they're just sitting there and it's invigorating. That's how
0: that's how well what they're talking about hits. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps it vivacious throughout all of
1: it. Kokomo. I thought this was great. I mean, like, it's, you know, especially when you talk about documentaries that do uh, profile marginalized communities, sometimes they can be such a, like, tr- uh, such homework. And it this is, is never no. homework. This is just telling you to shut up and listen. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> now, Kokomo City, absolutely fantastic. Put it on your radar if you have not. Um, as we move on to the top two, uh, it's. It, <sighs> <laughs> 20 days in Maripal left Zach having to take a walk.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is a... This
0: man had to decompress.
1: It's a hard one to, like, maintain our fun tone. I had to take a
0: shower. (laughs) Zach, talk about 20 days in Maripol.
1: I mean, first of all, the Audience Award winner for World Cinema Documentary. So the people saw this one and were really affected by it. And I just don't know if there's any way to watch a documentary like this one and not be deeply, deeply affected by it. it. it takes place in Mariupol, a, a region of Ukraine, uh, one of the first ones that was uh, invaded by Russia, and it covers right the, on the border. Yeah, yeah, it covers the twenty days after the invasion began. It'd be kind of one of the really interesting things about the documentaries, they sort of give themselves this ticking clock with the title. You yes. know, they're spending twenty days there, and you see as things escalate and they, the situation grows more dire, they that escalate. they're <laughs> they're growing, they're getting closer and closer to danger. Um, so just by by framing it that way, you've already got this thriller element to it. But you're following these Associated Press reporters mm-hmm. who are there to try and cover what's happening on the ground. And uh, one thing that what the thing that I thought was so fascinating about this film is how you see them get go out, get their interviews, take their uh, take their shots, get their footage. And then disseminate that information to the world. They, yes, they will show you. We so went good. up here and uploaded the footage with our satellite phones, and then you'll see that footage playing on the BBC, on CNN, yeah. on you know some random country's yes. news footage. It, and it's so so cool to just see the way that it, what they capture, is then translated and disseminated to people. But it's also you 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 feel for them because they are in the middle of the the most sad. Uh, the the worst circumstances imaginable. Yeah. People having their lives and homes and bodies destroyed. That you know they show you a young child <laughs> dying, and then they show you a younger child dying, and then they show you an even younger child Bro, dying. And I, like that's... I
0: have pulled up probably one of the worst scenes. I didn't even re- like this. Se- I'm gonna move it from there, dude. Yeah, there is. It is the atrocities that happen in this are so crazy that the director came out right here. One of the best directors of the fest, yeah. easily. Um, and pretty much described it as this is a movie where if you don't realize what's happening right now in the future when we all come to it and realize why didn't anybody do anything to stop? It? Why didn't anybody tell us? He's like, here is a film documenting everything that you should have known about. And it was out there because like you said, his images have gone on to the news. But then what he does in the doc is he contextualizes what was happening at that moment right before you saw that body on the news. he. Interacts with people as a documentarian shouldn't, and then really doubles on on why a documentarian shouldn't. It, it's it's a fascinating documentary, yeah. and
1: I love that he also includes the people who are calling him a prostitute and stuff like that too, because it's like, I, I th- the it's really it's, valuable, it's invaluable yes. to have people on the ground there, but it is also exploita- exploitative and and you know to to see. There's the people who are like, please document this, please show the world, and then there's the people who are like, get that camera out of my face. Yeah, we're trying to survive
0: yeah. this wartime. Uh, th- the fact that he addresses that, I thought was was, was a really big deal. Um, and yeah, just that idea of keeping it as a record in time. He's gone out and he's talked about uh, how he's trying to get the movie out there. And hey, I hope it doesn't get cut or or anything like that because I don't know who picked this up yet. And this is one of the biggest documentaries out of the festival. So, 20 days in Murupol. If you have not caught it. Uh, at the festival, it is one to definitely have on your radar because this is one I'm rooting for all the way towards the end of the year. Easily one of the biggest standouts of the festival. Yeah. Before we get into our number one, which we've loved all of these movies. Yeah. When I tell you this next pick is like so far up in terms of our ratings, that's how good this movie is. We want to mention a couple of the other ones we didn't get to. Right. Uh, starting off with Tuba Thieves. This was a link that we got sent. As you can see, the letterbox link don't even work over there. That's, that's what happened to our screener. The Tuba Thieves is a movie about these tubas that went missing in Los Angeles. But then it turns out that's not what even... That's not what the movie's about. It's supposed to be about listening and hearing and and individuals who are deaf and trying to get noticed out there. So this is one that I definitely have on my radar. It yeah, we had planned to watch yeah. it
1: at a certain time and didn't expect the link to not work on it as yeah,
0: so Sounds really cool. Sounds really interesting. It was also another documentary that's experimental and a part of the next category. Uh, some other docs, Deep Rising, which is uh, narrated by Jason Momoa, telling you to recycle. <laughs> uh, the Deepest Breath, I guess, telling you to They got Aquaman and, to do the, <laughs> <they> the <laughs> they underwater documentary. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, but he is also like he's huge. All of his saps, he makes sure there's no plastic. He he is he okay. is a man of his word. Uh, and then another one dealing with diving, decent, that's I diversion. I just didn't catch
1: that one because I don't like the idea of not like that. I know I would <laughs> disposal, my skin would crawl you watching mess with the. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no no! It's one of my biggest fears is drowning. Uh, no way no way.
0: And then speaking of expiring links, these were two that we were able to catch but we did not finish them, so we're not counting them here, but I was really excited to catch a little Richard from Everything Documentary. Uh, Very short, which I do not wanna see, this is a man who deserves a miniseries, Mm -hmm. but I heard it it does a decent enough job with his story, uh, and I believe that one did get picked up, so it might be streaming elsewhere in the future, as well as Piano Forte, one that comes from the director who last year made a movie that I believe may have won an award, Primetime. It's over Mm -hmm. on Netflix. That was a movie that we actually felt would have been better as a doc because it was dealing with real life stuff. The narrative was okay. Yeah. This is a documentary where he is going through the thrilling world of these pianists who have to go through this very tense competition. I only got to see a little bit of it. And yeah, it is a very tense movie. Uh, I don't know how he was capturing them, how he was setting up the sound because it's a very sound centric movie. Mm -hmm. But I commend him for all of that. Looking forward to finishing it once it's done. This had three sound people, just so you know
1: how exactly like that's the big part that's of this. That's the focus. Document. That's the
0: focus right there. But I, I'm looking forward to this one uh, when it comes out, as well as Justice. I don't have that one pulled up over here, but that was yeah. a last, last, last.
1: Basically, minute. the only reason we didn't see it is they announced it. I want to say January 19th, and it had two screenings on January 20th. And that's it. Nothing online. Nothing. Our schedules were already busy. We had. we were was already that like, in something. The world premiere of something, ma- Magazine yeah, Dreams or something. Or like, I don't go know. I'm just
0: going to leave it to see a Brett Kavanaugh doc. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he's not that great of a dude. <laughs> but it comes from Doug Lyman. Doug yeah, Lyman. Yeah, that's the thing. I like director. Doug Lyman. Yeah. Well, um, you, you love Doug Lyman? I. <laughs>
1: I, I think I like Doug um, Liman more than you but Doug Lyman's made a lot of good movies I don't know if he's made many documentaries any documentaries no. I, I did hear that they were still getting new tips about Brett Kavanaugh I don't want to no in the works, bro. Right, yeah that's the thing it, do, it does feel like it's really in the works still so. um, would have been maybe cool to see how it is then and how it is now it is it's not like a I don't think it's going to be like the full thing no so maybe it's good we're not judging it yet
0: yeah so it was one of the last ones we'll catch when it's actually finished right what we did catch was a movie that came from a director who Ooh. previously did a film. Talk about the talk yeah. about his
1: well, so first film. Yeah, 2019 was. Was that my first year at
0: Sundance? My first year I've, at Sundance. My I mean, first wouldn't year. wouldn't let me leave until I saw this movie. And
1: we went to an award. Because you go to festivals like this hoping to have a discovery, right? Yes. Like we. If Magazine dreams was going to hit, we knew it was going to hit. Mm-hmm. If You Hurt My Feelings was going to hit, we knew it was going to hit. Midnight oh, Family. Something comes out of nowhere. Yeah, from from First Time Director, Blew Me Away. It's this documentary that uh, profiles a family in Mexico that owns, an ambi- owns and operates an ambulance. Independent and, ambulance. Exactly. And you, you get all this really interesting uh, immersiveness into the world of... Uh, the weird, the weird bits of Mexican healthcare where mm-hmm. there's privatized elements, and but it's also just this amazingly shot documentary that if you didn't tell me, I could have believed it was a narrative because all the shots look so perfectly framed and lit and and put together yeah. that it, the pacing is incredible. He shoots it. He shoots, edits, directs all himself, Luke Lorenzo. So I saw that first one and I was like, I was like, this is my guy. I'm going to watch everything he makes. He announced a new one at Sundance, and it is our top documentary Easily. of 2023 at I'm, Sundance. I'm
0: missing a half star right here.
1: There we go. Yeah. A still small voice, just an incredible piece of filmmaking from Luke Lorenzen as he follows an aspiring hospital chaplain beginning a year-long residency in spiritual care, discovering the stress and and insecurities and frustrations of that job. I don't think I've seen a more empathetic film in, in a long time. Just the amount of empathy <laughs> he has, not only towards all these uh, patients obviously going through moments that are close, maybe the worst of their life, maybe the end of their life. Uh, all these chaplains who are doing everything in their power to try and make their experience a, a little better, a little more uh, smooth, a little less painful, and then also the the way that he follows that that chain of anguish up through the chaplain supervisors. Up to the supervisor's yeah. advisor, and how everybody's sort of looking for a place to dump their their upset, their sadness, their anger. But the, how how almost like it's it's like a, the guy rolling the boulder up the hill, right? Like there's always going to be more coming at you, and yeah. I, I was just blown away by this one.
0: He's that guy, dude. Yeah. This is a movie about communication. Yes. You don't have to deal with anything in hospital. It is just a back and forth between a superior and someone who's trying to do their job and doesn't feel they're being hurt. Mm-hmm. We were hearing some like stuff. Some people didn't like her. that thought she was annoying.
1: I'd like to see you do this job for a I, year I, I, and I not be annoying. I don't, I don't understand
0: that because they said this with her at the Q&A. Yeah. Uh, nah, she was a fascinating individual, someone willing to take the time, someone who, if you were in these scenarios like these families, you would want someone like her. Mm-hmm. Someone who takes the time to understand what your daughter's name is, how it's pronounced, the fact that she can switch from having the Christian values and words that people right. need to hear during a, a moment of turmoil, having her own background, which that, that whole she, speech she
1: gives, mm-hmm, that she's a, why she does what she does. That she's a Jewish atheist who is performing a baptism at some point in this film. <laughs> First, and there's even another way, but I don't want to put that
0: in. It goes even deeper than that. No, she was. it was fascinating to see someone who doesn't want to compromise her work, someone who realizes that if she's not doing the work, who else will? Mm-hmm. Will they do it correctly? She's been in the scenario of what it's like to not have that person who's willing to make you feel better. Yeah. How could she not be that for others?
1: And what's so amazing is Luke Lorenzen is able to capture all of this while being a fly on the wall. You never really feel the presence of no. the camera, yet the camera's always in the perfect place. Yeah. The, the shots are so gorgeous and perfectly framed. Like they, it, It's it's amazing how intimate he's able to get and how cl- up close without feeling like he's ever intruding. Yeah. Uh, it's It's stunning. It's really yeah. stunning work.
0: And that baptism scene was the one tier mm. I had from. I mean, there might be one other movie, <laughs> I two, but that one for sure. Yeah, it got the it got the Doc Award for making me cry,
1: <laughs> and also got the uh, directing award from U.S. Rightfully, documentary. Rightfully so. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like we really respond to his style, and I don't know if like he's got that wider no. approval quite yet. So this but might he, not be might not be like an Oscar contender. Absolutely is, should. Is
0: Midnight Family not getting adapted into a series?
1: Is it? I thought so. That's what I heard. <laughs> really? You,
0: you want to Google that. I remember hearing that they were going to try to adapt it into something oh. bigger. If they're working on something like that, then it's only a matter of time before all those doctor shows that people like, is it? Yeah, Apple. What? <laughs> this, you could adapt. All also. right, get that back, People Luke. may not get the doc, right? Yeah. But if you can put it into a narrative,
1: you're set. Yeah, and he's, he's. Remember I mean... when
0: you used to have to read the book? Yeah, well I got the doc.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's he, fantastic. there's there's so much that you want in these films, and like, yeah, this is another one where they did want to adapt it into a series. There's so much there, but easily. you don't you don't need it. Like he's he's got he's like an amazing amazing film, um, and I think it's only a matter of time if he keeps making films like this that he'll really get onto the larger radar. For sure, I think it's very very special. It's my he's my favorite verite filmmaker working right
0: now easily. But those are all of the Ooh. documentaries from Sundance. Yeah. If you caught any of the ones that we missed, let us know if you work for them, let us know. Uh, and which one was your favorite ones? Uh, what was your favorite documentary, special jury creative vision? Yeah, what give out your own personal awards. Personal one, yeah. Let us know which ones resonated with you and what you're mm-hmm. looking forward to down below in the comment section. Uh, other than that though, if you have not caught our best genre movies out of Sundance, go catch that. Our best drama movies out of Sundance and as well as our Intercut Awards, we yeah, have we're all doing that, that one next. That's coming up right next, but you probably saw it in the past. It's, yeah, it's the first out of <laughs> the, the, the first last we recorded. Yeah. So until next time, definitely let us know your thoughts down below in the comment section, and we'll send you some Royal Cult.